Hi, everyone. Before we start today's show, I just want to tell you a little bit about an organization that I'm quite fond of. It's called Humans for Education. Humans for Education's mission is simple. It wants to eliminate poverty in our lifetime. Humans for Education was founded by Daphne Pariser on a trip to Kenya when she was 10 years old. She was shocked at the sight of the poverty that she saw, and this became a catalyst for her to start this organization. And what Humans for Education does is create solutions alongside the community in Kenya, and these solutions um, become sustainable long-term. So whether it's helping support a family start a business, um, supporting a school, or just general health and wellness in terms of getting some medical uh, facilities or just getting fresh water to drink and or bathe with, Humans for Education um, does all of those things. Um, it's a wonderful organization. I'm very proud to be a part of it. And uh, if you have a chance, take a look at their website, humansforeducation.org. That's humans, F-O-R, education.org. And for as little as 300 bucks a year, you can sponsor a family, a whole family for 300 bucks a year. So go online, humansforeducation.org. Take a look and let me know what you think. Thank you. Uh, social media i see a lot of people doing like dna tests like the 23 and uh, me yeah, 23 and, uh, i forget what the other ones ancestry you yep. see a lot of people ancestry yeah yeah i think it's like a big waste of money like i, I who knows it, christ it, you it, can even poop in a box now do you know that no i didn't know that. yeah well for, you could for, before call, yeah. you could <laughs> well, yeah you could you have well, well scott at your house <laughs> yeah. i mean maybe you know yeah I'll, you yeah, gotta I'll, do I'll, what you gotta do i'll, to send, get I'll by. send the plumber over yeah. that's all right just shit in this box yeah no, you, you know, literally, it's like colon stuff. The box comes, you poop in it, and you send it back. I'm sure the mailman loved that one. I never. Oh, oh, Colaguard. Yeah, yeah. and then remember they got the little box, yeah, the like, cartoon box. Hey, he's all happy. Yeah, just fill me up, and I'll go fill back. Fill me with shit. Yep, we'll tell you if you're up. gonna die or not. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's fine. But I, I look at it and I think to myself, if I were to do one of those because of my childhood, I'd probably find out that I'm like 30% tuna casserole, cube steak, and cigarette smoke. That's what it would come back. And I know my dad's side of the family is Dutch, but you, you're like pure Greek. Like yours would come back, like you'd be related to Socrates and Plato and Telly Savalas, <laughs> Olympia <laughs> Dukakis, you yeah. know, things like that. I prefer Onassis, but yeah. That's Did okay. you know Telly Savalas is uh, Jennifer Aniston's uh, godfather? Oh, because of John Aniston. John Aniston. Yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a Greek. Hey, Players Club, baby. Yeah, the Players With Yourself Club. Yeah. Yeah. Players Club. Yeah. So you got a lot of Greeks, a lot of famous Greeks. Oh. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's... Zorba. Yeah. Zorba. <laughs> Zorba. Yeah. Anthony Quinn. What would, ha well, what, I mean, what would you really, do yeah. if you did it, if you did like a 23andMe and it came back that there was a little, there, there might be other than Greek, right? Is your is your mom pure Greek No, too? she's pure Greek too, all wow. the way back. We think, I mean, who knows? It would be interesting. Maybe there's, uh, you know, maybe there's a little scandal in the uh, in the past there that we don't know about. But maybe, that's why you stay so good looking and young. That oh. Greek blood. Oh, come on now. Right? It's something that's like olive oil or something. It is. It is. And, you know, a little bit of, a lot of uh, hummus. Hummus. No. Well, it's not so much. It's the olive Did oil. Did I say that properly? Hummus. Hummus. Oh. You can but, just say hummus. Yeah. But that, what do the Greeks say when you get together with like Uncle Telly? 
Well, we don't say? we don't do hummus. We don't what? really. It's more Middle That's Eastern. That's an American thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's We're like a bunch of assholes. Assholes. Well, well, it's that, and then it's also like when you have those Midwestern girls, like, oh my god, I want a gyro. You want a gyro? Oh, we'll put it in a pitta. That's great. How do you say it? A pitta. How do you say it? It, they say gyro. Yeah. Yeah. Gyro. Yeah, you want a gyro. Gyro. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, gyro yeah, with the pita and all that. All right. Well, that's all. I mean, I was just <laughs> curious about the 20. Scott, have you done 23 and me? Yes, I have. Oh, my God. What were the results? Um, I was not surprised because it was like 85% uh, you Irish. Know, Irish and English yeah. and yeah. stuff. 6% Ashkenazi Jew. <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. All right. Thought that was pretty cool. And we're in the middle of Purim right now. Did you know that? Purim, yeah. Purim, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. you know you're Jewish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Who do you got today, George? We are so excited. Uh, I'm I'm a relatively new fan. He's a great friend of yours. And yes. I know you're a big fan, too. We have Chris. I love the guy. Yep. We've got Chris Allen, uh, comedian extraordinaire and writer. Yep. And uh, he's got a new album that'll be coming out. He's going to be recording it soon. We're going to talk about that. April. He's April. That. And he's performed at the Carlson here he in Rochester oh as well. Yeah. And and many, many other yes, places. Yes, many yeah. other places, which we're we'll small talk potatoes about. compared to what this guy's done. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, we're really excited to have Chris Allen on. And uh, we're going to learn a lot more about him today, where he is, and most importantly, how it started and uh, how he built to where he is today. So. Yeah. Chris, welcome. Hey, We're Chris. happy to have you. Hey, what's up, guys? How y'all doing? Good. Buddy. Thanks for giving yeah. us part of your morning. Yeah. Oh, thank you for taking part of my morning. I appreciate it, man. Hey, no problem at all. Um, so was... let's dive right in. Um, let's talk about right now, how how it's going. We've all been through interesting times. What are you up to right now? What, what's happening in life and work and what are you working on? Uh, I'm right now. I'm doing a lot of things right now, man. I'm, awesome. I'm, a, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm just working on a lot of ideas. I'm trying to write more. I'm, I'm, I'm a learning coach for my son. I just did my 23 and me. I just got that back. That was pretty cool. Did you really do it? And me. Yeah. I found out I was guilty in four different states for the crimes. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's what I found out. All right. Yeah. No, um, actually, my my sister my sister did it not too long ago, and I found out that we were like twenty four percent or a quarter uh, European. Really? So, well, no. That yeah, makes sense. I was devastated. You're- yeah. <laughs> Bridgerton. Yeah. Look at Bridgerton. Yeah. Yeah, Bridgerton. Yeah, Bridgerton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got some royal blood. Who knows? I might. Mm-hmm. I I might, man. But uh, yeah, I just dude, I just been I've been doing trying to do more Zoom stuff. Yeah, uh, I, dude. I, honestly, man, I've been doing a lot of self-reflecting, man. Really? And yeah, I really have. I really have. Any th- any any big topics that have come out that you want to share, or any anything that like kind of struck you? You know what? Uh, last week, this is pretty deep. I don't know if y'all want to get into like psychological Let's or like therapy type stuff. Let's do it. I realize that not ninety percent of my frustration and anger all stems from me making things up in my mind. Yep. Yeah, man. It's just like, uh, uh, I, I grew up a very defensive person because, because yeah. of how I grew up, mm-hmm. people would always talk a lot of shit. So yeah. I, I became very defensive. So I was always like, when I would go out, I would have three or four things to say to everybody. I was already always prepared, you know, to defend myself verbally. And I, yeah. that's, 
kind of moved into my regular life. And before my wife and I would have a discussion about something, I had already had this argument with her in my yep. mind. Yep. And I would project it on her. I projected on my son. And then like, I would have all these issues and all the stuff that I was worried about or thought about wasn't even true, you yeah. know? And it just, I don't know why it took me 40 years to figure out like, Hey man, you're doing this to yourself. Mm -hmm. You, you really are. Yeah. And, uh, it's been a good two weeks, man. It's been a good two weeks. I am. I gotta say, I'm really happy to hear that because, uh, and I'll tell you, we can get into a deeper, who knows, we should probably have a separate show on this and it'd be great to have Chris on. Cause yeah. Chris, I, I got, and I normally don't get into this type of stuff, but there's a book out there called new earth that a very good friend of mine got me on. And it's got a little bit of those religious undertones and parts of it. So I just kind of skipped over that shit. And then I got <laughs> to the, the real stuff where it was like, well, not shit, but you know what I mean? It's like, no, I know what you mean. You know what I mean. And then uh, let's. I don't want. I don't want people protesting outside the studio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. No, but you know, and and to your point, that's what you know what it is. It's our egos. We all have egos, and our egos tell a complete story when we get frustrated about things or we suppress things, and then we take it as fact and we do unleash it on people, and then you realize like everything, the whole story I wrote in my head is completely false. There's no way to verify yep. it. So just try to stay more conscious and in the moment. And uh, we're going to talk more about your son in, in a little bit. Yeah, but, definitely. You know, your son is probably a great way for you to stay present and conscious in the moment and and get a lot of, you know, not only does it help him, but it also helps you too. So I really appreciate you sharing that because it is a true, many people don't realize that and it does take decades to figure it out. Yeah, dude. Like um, my wife would talk about this with our, with our therapist when we were going together and I was just so blind to it. I'm like, I don't, I don't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. Yep. And to take it a step further, you, this is something I don't really talk about, but Todd is my good friend. So I will talk about it. I appreciate it. Re I retired from the military a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. yep. They put me on antidepressants and stuff. I didn't like it. And then once I was fully cleared and, and um, uh, retired, no longer had any obligations to the military. I was not planning on using my, um, security clearance anymore. I started smoking marijuana Yeah, and a good sativa man. It gets me into my own head. I did a lot of thinking yep. and it's really helped me out a lot, man. I have to say it comes and I'm not saying it. Yeah, it does. It allows me to go. Like if I hear my wife telling the story, if I'm like, uh, in a, in a anxious mood, I'm like, get to the end. What's the point of this? But when I'm like medicated, it's just like, no, hear the story out. This is part of the, this is whole part of the process. She wants to talk through this, be patient and listen to what she has to say. Stop trying to anticipate the end of the story just so she stops talking, you know, just stuff like that, man. Just being quiet yeah. for the extra 30 seconds. Yep. Changes your world, man. Absolutely. Edib I'm a big fan of edibles. The edibles keep things quiet. It keeps the audience quiet. I don't, you know, I don't get jeered at. It's like, it allows me to concentrate, yeah. Yeah. get some work done, listen to people, be a little more thoughtful and i can i can totally i mean i've never smoked weed but my daughter smokes weed and it's been a, a lifesaver for her she yeah. was so uh erratic and yep. you know a little crazy and it's just leveled her out it's yeah. made her a whole new person and it's not like she's just sitting around like cheech and chong all day no 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 but it yeah. it's really helped her function and just see, like chris said like see things a little more clearly that's right yeah yeah, it does. And I, I will say it's been a process uh, trying to figure out how it works for me, uh, how to do it responsibly. 
not to really expose my son to it. You know, it's decriminalized here, but I, I'm not like, uh, I'm not uh, flamboyant with it. You know, I'm not like out walking around. No, it's your thing. You know, that it's kind for of you. stuff. You yeah. don't need to be. Yeah, but uh, it's it took me a while to get over guilt for doing it because I'm like, I shouldn't have to figure this out. It should just work. But then I thought too, when I was on antidepressants and my son takes ADHD medication and they yeah. go, well, this one might not work for you. So take this for a little while. And if it doesn't work, we'll get another one. I'm like, you know what? If that's a process with these over the counter or prescription medications, yeah. then why should I feel bad about like, ah, I don't really like this strain or I don't like this indica. I don't like this. It's all a process. I'm, I, I think I've found a way for me to partake in it and it be a positive thing for my family, for me, but I'm not doing too much, but that has been a process of like, cause I had never done it before. Yep. And, you know, it can be fun. And it's just like, Hey, I think I might be doing this too much or like, you know, it's well, just figuring out, you know how to, yeah. you know, some people well, can't do that, but you're self aware. So, yeah. So yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to take it. No, 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 that's right. fine. But that, that takes topic. me to another point though. When, when you were talking about how you're always ready with uh, something to say, like a quip or something yeah. funny. But I remember you once told me, that growing up, that's how you grew up, like just ripping on friends and, um, uh, you know, always making fun of each other. That's probably a lot of what that is, correct? Yeah, that's that's exactly what that is, what the, where that came from. Yeah, it's just that's how we communicated as and that's how guys are, you know, yeah. in general. Yes. But then when you when you live in those in, environments where because uh, I grew up in the in the, in the inner city, uh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, as a kid, but there were definitely, I had, I definitely have friends who, uh, didn't have a lot of options. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, so I did grow up around some, some kind of rough people. And I think when it, when it comes to that, uh, socioeconomic demographic, people like that tend to be kind of like, uh, just harsh with each other. It's just the life that they live. And it's, it's not a white thing. It's not a black thing. It's just like people in those socioeconomic yep. circumstances find humor in different things, Correct. you know? Yeah. So just being mean to each other was our outlet. No, I, so. no, I get it. It's it's more it's it's literally about circumstance, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not so much about who you are. It's where you grew up, who you grew up around, and and the situ yeah. the circumstances that you're in, for sure. Yeah. So you touched on it a little bit earlier. So you were in the Air Force, I believe. Correct. What, yeah. What got Twenty you years. In? Yeah. For how long? Sorry. 20 years, 20 years yeah, retired. Yeah. I'm Fantastic. retired. Man. Yeah. Wow. What prompted that? Yeah. Yeah. Like let, let's, let's talk about that and your experience with it. And, uh, I know you were into tech there too, so feel free to jump into that. I, uh, honestly, this is how, this is why I joined the air force. I had never even thought about joining the military at all, but before I left, I worked at Wegmans we all know it's a great, great place, yep. but I'm 18 years old. I go on my lunch break and I walk by like the produce manager and it's like Dwayne serving you for 27 years. And I'm like, I don't want to work at a grocery store for 27 years. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't, I get back to the deli where I was working. This lady I work with, you know, Maggie serving you for 28 years. I'm like, I don't want, I got to get out of here. I don't want to work at a grocery store. But looking back, it's like, no, these people had good careers, That's but right. as an 18 year old, you don't understand that like not everyone makes the same amount of money. Like I'm a dumb kid. I'm thinking everybody's making seven, five seventy five an hour. Like I was, mm -hmm. it's just like, no, they, they make more money than that. But I was dumb. 
I didn't know that you could actually make decent money working at a good company, but I was like, I got to get out of here. So the, literally the next day I got up, went downtown, I signed up. Uh, and wow. that following December, I was gone, man. I didn't even, it never crossed my mind throughout my four years of high school. It was just one day. And that's part of my ADHD as well. Cause I'm figuring out that raising my son that has it and looking at myself, I have the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I know that was an impulsive decision. But at the time, I, I look, I've been looking back at this. This was the right decision because for people like me, I get very bored very easily. Yep. And I can lose direction. But with the military, it was like I had to stick with this. This is something I had to do. I had somebody riding me for 20 years that made me do stuff that I didn't want to do. And honestly, I don't want to be a dramatic and say that it saved my life. But I think it really put me in a position. I, I don't think I would be anywhere close to this accomplished and I don't have much. I have to be honest, but I don't think I would be this far if it wasn't for the military and for my wife, man, because I'm learning so much about myself, man. It is insane. I hadn't thought about it in 20 years because the military ran my life and I didn't have time to really explore me or get to know me, you know? Well, it built a foundation for you though. Absolutely. Now looking back, you've had a great foundation to work from and, and, yeah. and you know, build a relationship, start a family. Yep. And, you know, you say you don't have a lot, but I, I got to tell you, Chris, you probably have more than a lot of people do because people, uh, you know, especially in this country, you know it, we equate, I do. we yes. equate, we equate money with, with, Oh, you know, if we have money, then we've got everything. And I got to tell you, there's right. plenty of rich people I know that have lost kids to all different kinds of accidents or overdoses or what have you. And, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's really who you are as a person. And, and what you do with your life. And you know what? Hey, you got a roof over your head. You got a loving wife. You got a great uh, child. You have a son. It's like, you know, how, how much do you need? You could have six houses around the world. I bet you don't right. enjoy even two of them. You know, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Right. right. Hey, Chris, when, yeah. when the, so you, you're, you do the whole Air Force thing. And then when it's coming time for retirement and your last few days in the Air Force are getting closer, was there any, was it more excitement or anxiety that you're leaving the Air Force? Uh, the last, it was all anxiety, man. <laughs> it was all anxiety. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was honestly, man, Todd, I, I talked to my wife about this. I have a very hard time enjoying myself. I, 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 I rarely ever kind of let go and just enjoy things, but I was so worried because you gotta, you gotta, people gotta know, like when you retire from the military, you lose your active duty pay. And for me, you do well, you lose your active duty pay and all your other like uh, entitlements. So like my active duty pay and my allow allowance for housing. So you combine those and then you put it up against what you're going to get for retirement. I lost 75% of my income. Yeah. So, and I, and my wife really wasn't working at the time. And I was like, I want to pursue comedy full time. I was, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to get any disability yet. So I was very, very nervous because I was like, if I don't get disability, I'm going to have to take a, a day job as an Intel analyst. And I did not want to do that. But luckily, my wife ended up getting the job. Nice. My disability came through and it's allowed me to not have to have a day job at 39 years old. And I can finally pursue comedy. Um, but, yeah, dude, I, I was very, very worried about the financial. Oh, yeah, I, I can. Um, I can. I mean, I would be too, yeah. but, and then you got out and I, was yeah. Kalila, was she cool with it? When you said, I want to pursue comedy, was she there supportive? And Dude, 
I, you know, when I knew, and I don't know how far my career is going to go, just based on the numbers, I, you know, it's likely I'll just end up being a run-of-the-mill comic just based uh, on uh, let's, stats. We're going to address that in a minute. Don't go there, man. You're telling stories I'm just saying. Again. You're telling uh, you're stories. You're right. Telling All right, stories. okay. All right, you're right. I'm being negative. but You're not being negative. You're just telling stories. Yeah, you're right. You, don't, you can't verify that. You're, you're right. No, I but don't this think is it's what negative. Happened. It's too realistic, and it's not. It's it's it is negative for me. I shouldn't do that. I should be more positive. But this is what happened. I I told my my wife knew what I wanted to do. My mom knows. My whole family knows what I wanted to do. They knew what I wanted to do when I retired. And the fact that even my mother and my parents they were like, Chris, you have my wife. You have to pursue it. You have to do it. Yep. And getting their approval and my wife's approval and basically my whole family they're like no you have to do this because like my dad and them they're very practical people they're always like you got to have a backup plan you got to do this but for them to go chris no you have to do you got to give comedy a full shot you got to give it a try a full time uh you know a shot at it full time that's when i knew like i have to do this my family is pushing me the most practical people in the world are like no you got to do this for yourself you got to do it that's when I knew I was just like, I, ha- I have to do it. And I, I never looked back and I, I never even second guessed it. That's that's so. great. So what, if I may ask, what was it during your time, probably towards the, towards the end of your tenure with the Air Force, what informed your decision to do comedy? Did, did anything happen there or was it just a natural? Were you, were you the guy in, in the, you know, oh, just- with your company that just kind of was the funny guy or like what informed your decision to get into it? Well, I've always had the ability to, to make people laugh. I was never a big fighter. Again, this all stems from my childhood. I was never the fighting, the fighter type. I was always like, well, if I can get people to laugh, maybe they won't want to beat me up, <laughs> you know? So it became, a, it was one to protect myself from people attacking me and to kind of disarm people who, who may want to either verbally or physically attack me. Yep. So I figured like uh, if I can be funny. So I, I, I developed this skill and people always told me throughout my entire military career, throughout my life, oh man, you should do comedy. You should try comedy. You're funny. And I was like, I can't write jokes. I can just respond to things that have happened or I can pull a reference from a movie and say, you look like this guy. <laughs> I was like, but I can't write a joke. I don't know anything about writing jokes. And I crossed, I, I got, I got picked up to cross train into another career field. And then I was told I was going to Las Vegas after I completed that school. And I was like, you know what? That might be a sign. That is the entertainment capital of the world. People have always told me I was funny. I was searching for something in my life. I always wanted to feel like I was different. Yeah. I told myself, I was like, I want to try something that people have never tried. What am I good at? And that was the, it was the funny thing. So looking within myself, like uh, realizing what I've been told I was good at and realizing that, okay, I'm good at making people laugh. Yep. And the fact that I'm going to Vegas was like, this might be a sign. I should give it a shot. I get there, I do it. And I never, I never stopped doing it. So, wow. What a start. So your first, your, your, your first try was in Vegas. In Vegas. Yeah. What better place to try it? Right. Yeah. At a, at a bar named Pounders. <laughs> oh, it sounds and like every, one of my kind of bars. Yeah. Dude, everybody made that joke. It's like, oh, I saw this in the paper. Well, I was thinking, what is this, a gay bar? And then everybody, every one of what I always say, if you thought it was a gay bar, why did you come anyway? 
Because, like, you know, people were trying to be funny. Like, I thought this was a gay bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, ain't yeah, no, right. I ain't gay. Yeah. So it's like, well, you still showed up to to this gay bar to do comedy. Yep. So. You know, I, I George, I met Chris, I think, in 2014 for the first time. We were on a random 4th of July show. Yeah. And uh, just like in business with you, when you see somebody that you work with and you're like, wow, they're good at what they do, you can yep. tell right away. I knew Chris was great at what. Oh, geez. He, Come on. he does. I mean, he's a fantastic comic. Even, you know, what, seven years ago, I knew he was that good. And we struck up a friendship. And I, I knew we shared a common sense of humor because I remember be, between shows once I asked him if he wanted to split some wings with me. And he goes, why do you, do you think I just want wings because I'm black? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I, it, it was like things like that that bound us. And we've been friends ever since. And I just love his humor because it's smart. It's laid back. It's honest. It's in it. It's it, it, yeah. you know. It's just it's, well, it's a convers- good humor and it's a conversation. And it's, he's one it, of the hardest working comics oh, out there yeah. right now. I, I oh, just, okay. and, and, and Chris, your style and, and if I'm wrong, I apologize. It just seems very conversational, which I really. I mean, from some of the uh, some of the videos I watched and and just in hearing you speak with other people, you just have this comedic conversation and you just insert it just at the right. Just at the right moments, which I really find. Yeah, I, I see, enjoy it a lot. That's what, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I think uh, I'm glad you like my timely insertions that make you feel good. Yeah, George I'm loves those. <laughs> nice timely insertions. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah I'm glad. Yeah. But I, I, you know what? I learned a lot of that from uh, from Vince Morris, man. He was, yeah. he was, uh, I've been so lucky in my career. Uh, let me back up and tell you a quick little story. But Please. so before i started doing comedy i obviously used to watch like Def jam and all this kind of stuff and i remember years ago before i did comedy i remember seeing this guy vince morris on Def comedy jam it was so smart it was so poignant it was it was it was literally my it was not literally but it was mind-blowing i remember after he was finished after he finished his set i was just like what did i just see i was like was that comedy I was just like, because it's like, I learned something, but I was laughing. This guy was smart. I liked how he dressed. He kind of seemed like me in a way. He didn't seem like the other guys. And I'm not saying that the other guys were or a certain way, but he was just different. And I was like, man, I really loved this dude. He was great. Years go by, didn't think about him. And then uh, I get to Vegas, I'm doing comedy. And my buddy Keon Booyah at the time, he goes, hey man, I'm hanging out with my man Vince. He's, a, he's at the uh, improv at Harris this weekend, come hang out. I was like, okay, I'm gonna hang out. And I'm maybe like five or six months into comedy. So I get down to the to Harris and we're at this little outdoor club. I see Booyah, he goes, hey man, I want you to meet Vince. And he taps this guy on the shoulder. The guy turns around and it's Vince Morris, the guy that I have been idolizing on Def Jam for years. Mm. He's the first professional comic that I get to meet in my career. Yeah, Someone that I idolized. And whenever he would come out to Vegas, dude, I would take leave and I would go watch him at the improv. I'm not lying because the improv there is it's like a six day run. Mm-hmm. So I would be there from Tuesday to Sunday. I would go to both shows. And here I am, this brand new comic. Vince is like a 15 year vet. And we would stay up to six o'clock in the morning just talking about comedy. Here I am, dude, an open micer. I'm talking to this guy who's been on Def Jam. He's been on Comedy Central. And then literally like a year later, I get orders to Dayton, Ohio, where he lives. It's like, what are the chances of that happening? Yeah, right. Out of all the cities to go to, I meet a guy that I looked up to who got, really got me into comedy. And then I moved to the same town that he's in. And he and that's, that's the guy who introduced me to clubs. And this is how you hang out on Thursdays. And you meet the, you meet the club manager. You yep. get to meet the bartender. This is how you tip the wait staff. Like I was, it was, I was so fortunate to, 
You had a hell of a mentor. First, yeah, yeah, dude, I I got very lucky. I've been very fortunate in my career so far. Is that is that so, where some of the best advice? Did he give you some of the best advice you've ever received, or what? Like, what would you say is one of the one of the best pieces of advice you got? You know what? You know what it is, and I didn't understand it, but we were so young and enamored with the fact of being on the road. Uh, we were always like, man, you on the road, you get to do this. This is crazy. He, and he said, it's not as glamorous as it looks. Yeah. And that's where I am right now. It's not as glamorous as it looks. And I know exactly what he means now. But that was one of the biggest things he, he said to me. It's just not as glamorous as it, as it looks. And I think that's something that a lot of comics need to realize. This looks cool. But it's not always fun. Yeah. Like being on stage for that 20 minutes or 40 minutes, that's the best part. Yeah. But sitting around in a, ho a hotel in a town where you don't have a car, there's nothing around. You can't even walk anywhere to a Wendy's or a McDonald's. Yeah. You don't know anybody. That stuff sucks. Yeah. You know, yeah. not making a lot of money. That stuff sucks. Yep. Right. <laughs> in those days so, when you're just waiting, get on stage too. You're just, just waiting. Yeah. So and then you wait time. and then the show sucks. You bomb. Yep. It's just like, man, yeah. so, I stayed around for this. Yeah, exactly. So you're, 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 you get inspired to do this. Your parents push you to do it. You're in Vegas. You break, you start in Vegas. What would you consider like that, that moment where you kind of, you know, they call it the tipping point where you kind of cross over to that next that next area or, or you walk up to that next level in your comedy career? Like what was, was there a certain show where after that show hit, you're like, all right, boom, now I'm, now I'm going here. Now I'm going there. A couple of, a couple of, a couple of things happened. Great. So in, in Dayton, I'm just or in, in Vegas. I'm just one of the guys. I'm one of the new comics. You know, people are walking out doing my set. All like all that typical stuff, you know, just like, None of the guys who've been doing it for two or three years want to really watch, but it's typical stuff. So, but I started to get a little bit of respect, a little bit of confidence, but then I end up moving to Dayton. And I get to Dayton, and this is the first time I'm in a real scene. So I'm there for five years. I work clubs, all this kind of oh, stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, I'm finally, uh, after being in Dayton for about five years, I feel like a, a actual comic because I'm, I'm getting work at clubs. I'm MCing, I'm, you know, all that kind of stuff, all the stuff I wanted to do. Yeah. But the, the biggest, the first big thing that happened was I moved to Charlottesville and I thought my career was over mm -hmm. or the start of. So I had never ran a mic or had to do a mic or even really had to drive far for shows. So I get here now I have nothing. So now I have to drive an hour and a half to Richmond every time I want to do a mic. Eventually, I start doing my own show. I had never ran a mic before. And I become the old veteran guy <laughs> to all these comics here. And I've only been doing it for five years. So now you're the mentor. So, right. So when I got to Charlottesville, I didn't realize, and this is not to say that I know a lot about comedy or anything, but when I got around these guys that had been doing comedy six months, maybe a year, I didn't realize how much I actually did kind of know. Yep. So I started sharing my, a lot of my knowledge and what I knew to these young guys. And I was like, man, I know a lot more about comedy than I thought I did. You know? Yeah. So just learning how to run an open mic, being a, a guy that people looked up to just because I had done it the longest, yep. that was a big shift for me. And, and having to drive. A comedian, I bet, too. Even better I think than so. Yeah, I think so. And what also helped me too, this is around the same time the culture is starting to switch. Things are starting to get a little bit more woke. And 
Now that I was doing comedy in like the 90s where you could just say anything, it was still pretty raw in the early 2000s. Yeah. So I started hanging around a lot of younger white kids or you know, and black kids and um, black comics, but they're a little bit more uh, liberal than I am or was at the time. Yeah. And just learning like, hey, man, you can't say these words or like you, you don't really want to do these kind of jokes. People don't like it. So honestly, like that helped me stay current with the culture. Cause I don't want to be one of these guys like trying to do comedy, but I'm using words that like, I really shouldn't be saying on stage. And if you know me, I'm a free speech guy, yeah. but at the same time, I'm not about to like argue about somebody over pronouns and stuff. You know, to me, it's just silly. Like, why yeah. am I arguing with, with somebody about this yeah. stuff? I don't, I don't really care. You know, why am I doing that? It's just being around those guys open my eyes up to like, Hey man, you have to be willing to change and realize Things are not what they were when you first started. Yeah. So that that helped me out a lot. It's yeah, listen, man. It's called learning agility, and you've got it. He so, does. And and I'm I, trying. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're doing more than trying. You're 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 doing it. A lot of people say they try, they try. You're actually doing it, and and you're aware of it. And you learned another valuable lesson too. Only by helping others do you truly help yourself. And by you being a That's mentor to those those youngins in the uh, in the comedy business, you're helping yourself be a better comedian, yeah. which is which is pretty cool. Uh, you know, I wish more people would do that and realize that like it's okay to help other people. You don't have to be in competition all the time. No, that's the hardest right. thing to get across to people about the competition. You can, yeah. A lot of people find it hard just to be happy for people. Like in my way, the way I look at it is like if someone has success, and I consider Chris as a comic who's had some success. It, 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 I'm happy for him. I'm happy for when somebody because that that's that's a good thing for everybody in the comedy industry is when somebody succeeds, our art form succeeds. You know, it's, yeah, it's just important. Right. I think. Yep. Do you, it, follow, do, yeah, you follow, every, do you follow Chris on Facebook at all? On Facebook, yeah. You do. Okay. Yep. Have you seen any of his? He does these uh -huh. little things that I call taking out the trash. Have you seen any of this? I have. Oh, they're, I'll, they're, they're <laughs> so funny because I just love it because he gets everybody so riled up because a lot of people think yeah. he's like, I, well, yeah, he's serious, but he's just making a joke. Right. And I, I just want to read a couple of my favorites. I don't know if you had a couple, but. Uh, no, I, I do have something about uh -oh. social media, but go ahead. But the, the, I'll just read two or three. Um, he, the one I loved was. Uh, can we admit onion rings are trash? That's yeah, all he wrote, right? Yeah. And the, 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 the thread just lights up with people, yeah. just angry, you know? Yeah. How could you? How dare you? you? How dare you? It's silly how people get mad. Isn't it's it crazy? To me. Well, it's scary how passionate people are oh, about onion rings. About an onion ring. Yeah. And then and then here's one of my favorites. Androids are trash. Keep telling yourself they're great. Garbage-ass phones. And I got to agree with them. I mean, every the majority, 80%, 90% of these, I totally agree with it's them. It's a race to the bottom, those phones. And then this is another one. Um, uh, cheesecake is trash. <laughs> Most overrated dessert of, of, of all time. Never had it, won't try it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he goes ahead and just makes that total blanket statement and he's never had it. But you know what, Chris? You're right. It's not that great. Oh, please. You can go further. Talk about the cheesecake factory. You'll get people real upset. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. They, they 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 want that yeah. uh, that encyclopedia the, menu. The, the they menu love is it. ridiculous. Ugh. Go ahead. You wanted to talk about that. No, no, Chris. I just wanted to touch on um, you know, in looking at social media, you did a fun. I think it was on TikTok, and I, I just was cracking up about it. it. Was very. I think it was only in the last two or three days. You were. Uh, I think you were sending uh, your son off to school, and you just said, <laughs> oh. "Imagine, imagine if we talked to teachers." 
like like the way we talk on social media. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, the teacher says something wrong. We're going to drown him out. Yell. We'll cancel him. Oh, we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll just we'll just bully a bunch of kids and say, oh, it's OK. You know, I just, mm-hmm. you know, it's OK to do this. And, and, and people, you know, people support it. So I, it's, it makes it all right to do it. I mean, I'm not doing it any justice, but that hit me because I just wanted to talk more about, you know, you, I, I just relate to that. Um, and I know that social media is like a necessary evil. So how do you, right. you know, how do you use it yet? I love how you use it yet, make fun of it yet also make a statement. Cause it's true. It's become so convenient just to trash people yeah. or, or bully people or, you know, just be what I call, uh, in the old days, the telephone tough guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, man, you know, what? you know what, man, I, um, this and I, I, I promise I won't get too too deep into some of it, but the last year and a half, yep. black or white, it's been a very tough year yeah. and a half for Americans in, in general. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, man, being from Rochester, being uh, going to the schools that I grew up yep. with, I've always, you know, just been a, a racial minority. Yep. And um, Dude, just seeing a lot of the comments and stuff that people were saying, people who I thought were were, were friends of mine, yeah. uh, a lot of people showed their true colors, and yeah. this and this is on all sides. And I think I'm just done trying to, because uh, honestly, man, because being in the military, I was around a certain group of people for a long time. If you get my drift, a yeah. certain type of person, and you learn to not make waves, you just become accustomed to like, you know what. It's a bunch of them versus me. I know we're all cool here, but I, you know I'm only this rank. This these guys don't rank me. That's also another factor. So even though I don't agree, I don't like some of these weird statements that they're making about black people, about immigrant or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. I'm just not going to say anything. It's just I've become accustomed to that, and um, I'm finally learning. Like, oh, I'm a civilian. I can say what I want to say. And I need, I, I'm done appeasing a, a, a certain group of people and not ruffling their feathers because I realized over time, those people don't care about me or what I have to say, nope. like where I live at. And again, I'm not trying to take sides here, but where I live at is very red. You see a lot of like, you know, you saw a lot of stuff for that, for the other guy. Yeah. But the moment but you, but you see the moment you saw somebody with a black lives matter shirt on, it became, it became this thing of like, you need to be aware of where you live in and take off that shirt. You, you're offending me. It's just like, dude, you literally have all this anti-immigrant, anti-black yeah. pro stuff. And no one says anything to you about your Confederate flag. But the moment you feel slightly uncomfortable, yep. you want other people to make you feel good. Yeah. And I'm done with that, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm sick of it. And I'm sick of it. it. Yeah. Chris, what you're saying, you know, in, in, a, in a fashion is it's you're right. It's not about sides. It's about character. What do you stand for? That's really what it is to me. Yeah. It's like, exactly. I, don't, I don't have to bring politics into it. I just know that right. I don't want people. I don't want kids in cages. I don't want families separated. I know, I know that all of a sudden, what you know, all of a sudden right now, if people came in and took me away from Todd. I mean, he'd be devastated. It's like, oh, yeah, just. You know, it, it's like, but but I don't want that. It's about character. And if you're going to stand exactly. and, and, then, and if you want to wear a T-shirt, Black Lives Matter, it's like, yes, there's there is an issue in this country. And, you know, some people get ang- the people that get the angriest at that are the ones that know there's a problem, know they're part of the problem and they just don't want to no, deal with it. Yeah, they, they don't want to deal with it. Either. It's right. like it's like you're throwing it in their face. And yep. it's like, no, it's it doesn't make you a bad person, but just acknowledge it, deal with it. And that's. You know, that's it. conversation, but it's about character. That's, it's that, not about taking sides. I'm so yeah. sick of this the unity, this, that. No, it's about it's so funny, dude. character. Yeah. 
It's, it's, it's so phony. Like, I've been, uh, I, I think I'm going to burn the bit, but I've been trying to work in this bit. Like, we've all had drink Gatorade before, Gatorade out of a bottle. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, you ever had water in a Gatorade bottle? You can still kind of taste the Gatorade, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that's what I try to tell this new bit I'm working on. Working on I'm like, that's kind of what America is. Like, the Gatorade was all the all the racist stuff that we got rid of, and we fill it up with water with all these laws that be, make people feel yeah. equal and, and validated yeah. but yeah but at the same time guess what you can still taste that gatorade yeah. yeah and that's what that's all black people are saying like hey this shit tastes a little weird mm-hmm. and then the white guy will take and go it tastes fine to me it's like dude just acknowledge that it tastes weird don't make us feel crazy yeah for making us for for us saying that this tastes a little funny. Yes, we are appreciative of the water. Yes, it's it's hydrating. Yes, it's helping us, but it tastes weird. It tastes don't make weird. us feel yeah, don't make us feel ungrateful because we're saying the water tastes weird. You know? Well, the Flint, water that we in Michigan, the water does taste weird. <laughs> and so that's, that's a whole exactly. that's right. So and hopefully there'll be some justice there. But uh with with that, so this is a great segue. So with that What's your opinion on the state of comedy today? Like how you, you just said you're working on a bit, which which I think it could be a great bit, especially the Gatorade metaphor is great. So what, what do you consider in your opinion? What is the state of uh, comedy and how are you approaching it with this within this atmosphere? All right. So this is this is where uh, people this is where I get into trouble, where people think I'm like this super like right wing guy. It's just like I really people feel like. Cause I feel like you should be able to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Sure. I feel like I'm a pretty liberal progressive guy, but I, and I get it. We want to be respectful of people's identities their cultures, their uh, yep. sexual, all that kind of stuff. But it's just like, we don't normalize stuff until we start making fun of people. There's a difference between making fun of people and being hurtful. That's like right. I have, I have some trans bits that I love and people get upset, but I'm like, these are pro trans bits if no one talked about trans people in comedy i think trans people would feel left out i feel like black people would feel left out gay people would feel left out non-binary people would feel left out i and i get it we don't understand all the pain that those communities have have gone through i'm getting to see more of it now because i have uh i've had three friends come out to me as trans and when you get to hear their stories about the stuff that their parents and their family say to them it is it is heart wrenching, man. It makes you cry. Yeah, it, it it gives you a better understanding. Like, and to go back to like um, what we were talking about the social media thing. That's why I feel like a lot of this free speech stuff talk is is phony, especially from people on the certain side who always want to quote the Constitution and the First Amendment. It's like you <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. really mean it because it's like when those guys came to Charlottesville where I live at all those white supremacist guys yep. saying all this anti-Semitic stuff, racist stuff, people who are for free speech are like, Hey, I don't agree, but this is America, man. Nope. People are going to say stuff you don't like. It's like, okay, that's cool. But the moment Kaepernick kneels, all of a sudden you want to have a seven inch response on Facebook as to why that guy is a piece of crap yep. and why he should leave America and yep. why he's so uh, anti-American and how it's disrespectful to the troops. Dude, I'm a veteran. Don't tell me that someone kneeling for our flag is it's, disrespectful. No. But then somebody carrying a Nazi flag down the street, goose-stepping, yeah. doing right. a Howl Hitler, that's not disrespectful to, yeah. the, to the troops? Get out of here, man. So my thing is, if you're really going to be about, if you're going to be for free speech, be for it. Go, you know what? I don't really like what Cap is doing, but that's his right. 
just like you can say, hey, I don't really care what these neo-Nazis are doing, but that's their well, right. But, but don't 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 switch the conversation to like, well, hey, free speech has its consequences. And that doesn't mean that I can't I can't talk about it. It's like, but you're not talking about sure. a whole other group of people that are doing very, and very terrible things. For sure. And I'm in agreement with you on that with one caveat. Kaepernick was making a statement. He wasn't advocating burn the flags. He wasn't right. advocating storm the Capitol. He wasn't advocating, oh, it's time for the rise of, of the black community and everybody else get out of the way. These people in Charlottesville were saying, it's we want a white country. Yeah. We don't want anybody else here. And we yeah. all know over the last few years where that led to on January 6th. So that's where I have yeah. a problem with free speech, because when free speech starts infringing or promoting violence yeah. or destruction or intolerance of another group of people, that's a problem. Kaepernick, that's right. a protest uh, against the country. Like, look, with the state of our country, I don't feel right saluting the flag, so I'm not going to. He didn't say burn the flag. He didn't say riot. He didn't say yeah, steal. He doesn't have to. He didn't do any of yeah. that. He didn't do any he of that. He doesn't so have to. That type right. of free speech, go ahead, protest it. But when exactly. you start when you start marching saying that your race is superior or rich people deserve this, poor people did it to themselves, or, you know what, not my problem. And, the, you know, when, when when it's about the ego and it's like, this is mine, you can't have any, that's where I have a problem with it. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, I, I'm a, I, I agree with you, man. Yeah. That's, that's my issue, man. Yeah. And uh, what, what, what bothers me too, man, is like, um, you hear like, like say with the Me Too culture, yep. you know, you'll hear like, oh, Aziz did this, this guy did this. Oh, they did the they right demolish will, that guy. Yeah. Why? The right will come out and go, yeah, the right will go, hey, you can't make these accusations. You need to have proof. You just can't start accusing people of stuff on, on public forums. That's not right. That's defamation of character. But again, I'm not trying to, I'm just using this as an example. But when it comes to the election, it's just like, oh, there's fraud. This company is yeah. doing this. It's like, weren't you the same people that were saying you can't have these accusations in public without proof. Now all of a sudden they don't even care about proof of, of fraud. That's but you'll come. You know what I'm saying? That's it's just like why well, you'll come. It's weird. It's just like you want to play, Chris. It all comes back to again the side. They're just playing sides. They're not playing this, character. You got to have it's character, not a character. And that's the problem. Your character exactly. will tell you, regardless of your affiliations. Your character tells you what's right and wrong. Yep. And when you it's don't a have lot character, of, yep. that's what happens. It's, it's good. What's it's good for this of, person yep. ain't good for that person. Oh, right. I can it's drink clean of, water, but you can't. That's a lack of right. character, and, and that's been the issue. Um, yeah. On to some f more fun stuff. I wanted to talk a little oh. bit. Just, just no, no. Just touch on. This is fun too. But, but, but I forgot to even answer your original question. Yeah, where's the state of comedy? You guys never answered know, the state of comedy. Gotta, let's do that, and I'll, then we'll get into. Yeah, get, one I, other I want thing. his answer. Yeah. I'll say this. This is this is where I get in trouble. We're both say. ADD. Give us a break. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I get in trouble because as, as liberal as I am, I'm not a big fan of super woke comedy because to me, it's just not, a lot of this is not funny. Just like yep. on the opposite side where you got people that, that want to do shock comedy and just use slurs just to use it. That's not funny. It's like, you're just saying a lot of stuff that people want to hear, but there's no joke, but I'll say this. A lot of woke comics to me, they're not funny. So what they want to do is handcuff talented comedians like, oh, don't make that joke. That's a little hanging fruit. Oh, you can't talk about that because that's mean. But then a lot of times you watch these people's acts and that's exactly what it is. Like, honestly, I've seen so many like butch lesbian comics that get mad 
when they when when uh, like a straight comic will get up there and talk about butch lesbians, but then they get up there and go, "I'm a butch lesbian. I look like a, I can fix a car." I'm like, "This ten minutes ago, you were telling us that this is low hanging fruit, and you want to have people canceled for telling these jokes, but here you are. I feel like you just want to corner the market on those lame jokes. You don't want anybody else That's doing right. those jokes better than you. Lay if off they're the low hanging fruit, Patty and Marcy, back off. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if it's low hanging fruit, don't do it. That's what I don't like. Don't tell me. Don't say like all this stuff is problematic, and then you and then you turn around and do the same thing and go, well, it's different. So you, How come he can do it? Would you say you just go forward? Then you just do your thing. Like that's is is that what's coming with your upcoming with the upcoming album you're recording? You're, you're doing it with a live audience. Like, are you just going to do your thing? Yeah. And and as I, one of yeah. our previous guests said, play your own game. Yeah, and honestly, man, I, I think the whole the state of comedy where it, it makes you a better writer. Because you do have to tiptoe across sensitive topics. And honestly, I just think that makes you a better writer because now you have to critically think about, okay, if, if I have this joke I want to do about trans or, it's a, or about gay people or it's a racial bit. It's like, how can I, how can I really uh, toe the line here, be respectful, get my point across, and be funny? Comedy is hard enough. But then when you start taking away certain things, it makes it harder. But at the same time, it makes you a better comedian. Yep. Yeah. So I, I kind of, to, to a degree, honestly, man, I welcome it. In a nutshell, I welcome it because it's making you work harder. It's yep. making you search, search harder for those comparisons, for what words to use yeah, and what angle to take on it. You? Yeah, it does. It educates yeah. you. Because yeah. now it's just like if I have any type of trans bit or any, any bits where I'm like, this is dealing with non-binary, certain pronouns or whatever topic it is, I'll go to my friends and go, hey, how does this sound? Should I say this? They go, oh, maybe try this. This sounds better. Cool. Great. Then I'll do that. You know what I love about this conversation right now? <clears throat> it's like listening. Chris has his own live uh, YouTube series that he does yeah. called He Got Answers. Yeah. And it's like listen, It's like having in my own personal, you know, He Got Answers here. Chris, do you find that when you're on He Got Answers um, that you're just you're working on bit ideas while you do that? Yeah, that's honestly, that's why I, I do it. It's, yeah. it's a weird exercise of like uh, improv because people will, and sometimes I don't really get any questions at all. So I got to, I got to drum something up just to go off on. But when people are asking questions, it's just like, what's your favorite food? So I'm talking about food and then somebody go, Hey man, do you think JFK was really shot by the government? So it, it's, it's pulling your brain in all these different directions. You got to be quick and thinking your feet. So that's, that's why I like it. Cause it's such a, a mismatch of what you're going to get, you know, it's, it's kind of scary, but it's a great exercise in like making your brain pull from like just very random places, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So two, two, two other things I might mind here. So number one, I know that there's a love of food. Do you think you'd be a chef or are you training to be a chef? Uh, you know, is this breaking news? You can do it on the side, a side hustle. And then I got to talk about your your son and the anime yeah. because I saw I saw you had an interview on anime and I I, I love that too. So first, uh, first, let's start with the food with the chef thing. If you weren't dude, doing this, would you be a chef? What's What's funny? Uh, before I started doing comedy, when I was thinking about getting out of the Air Force at the, like the 10, 12 year mark, I was actually looking into culinary schools. And the mm. older I've gotten, I've found out that the culinary arts. Is something that runs deep in our family. I had no idea. I had such a love for food. Like, dude, I love 
growing the groceries. Like a good grocery store, like any type of gourmet market. I love grocery stores. I love fresh produce. I love food. And honestly, I've, I've already told myself, like, if comedy doesn't work out, I would 100% be a chef. My cousin is one. Uh, I have a lot of people in my family who, who love who lo- they love to cook. And if I ever became successful at comedy, I would definitely open a family restaurant that would have my family members working there. Love it. So, yeah, dude, I, dude, I love food. I feel like it's a lot like comedy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How, you put, like, the, yeah, how you put the different dishes together, different tastes. Yeah. It's all subjective. Yep. Sometimes yeah, you can surprise that, people and yeah. Right. Yeah, we all have the same. We all eat chicken and beef and rice. It's like we all have the same ingredients. But what can you do with that? That's different. You know, love it. We've all we've all had rice, and I like the timing aspect of it too. Everything needs to come out at certain times in order for it to work. You yeah. know what I mean? It's it's all timing, and you get that immediate reaction. Yep. You get a you get an immediate. This was good. This was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, someone's yep. got stomach problems. Yeah, I get it. Then you got Salino and Barnes calling you. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he got. So that's funny. With your with. I, I hear somebody in the family is, is learning Japanese. Can mm-hmm. you expand on that? My son, man, he's. Uh, yeah. Tell me more. He's about amazing. I, when Todd told me about this, I was like, whoa, it's so awesome. Just just tell the audience about this. You guys you guys got to hear this. Yeah, my son, he's he's eight years old. He's always been obsessed with languages and stuff. And uh, he's into Mario, and a lot of the levels are like Japanese level name levels. And he's like, I wonder what that means. And then he just got into Japanese. I bought him a book, and now he 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 knows the alphabet. He um he knows words. He can write things. There uh, he is. Look at that. Oh, uh, that's him. Hey, Miles. Miles, <laughs> nice to meet you, man. They say hi. They say hi. Say hi. Can, he can't hear you. Yeah, just say hi. Wave. Look at that. Hold on. Here, here. And a cool Hold T-shirt, up. too. I like that. Can you hear that? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Hey, Miles. This is a first. We have an instant guest on the show. We've got Miles Allen, Chris's son. He's uh, Miles, you're learning. So, wait, you're teaching yourself Japanese. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. How's that going? It's going well. Mm-hmm. I know. Luckily, I know how to say hello in Japanese. You do? So, if you saw me, how would you say hello in Japanese? Konnichiwa or Moshi Moshi. Oh, uh, yeah. Ways. That's the one I learned, Moshi Moshi, except I always said it Moshi Moshi and people would make fun of me. So <laughs> you're going to have to teach me Japanese once uh, once you get it down. That's great. And Miles, you can do the alphabet. Can you give us a little of the alphabet? Actually, there are 46 letters. Oh, my gosh. Wait, 46 letters. We have 26, yeah, but, right? Right. No, Miles has got yeah, it, 46 all, letters. Wow. Yeah, that's almost that's all half of how much we have. Yeah. Also, there are three ways to write it. <laughs> One yeah. of the ways is kanji, and there are thousands of letters. Yeah. Wow. All right. I well, mean, say thanks, buddy. That's pretty amazing, Miles. You're, we're going to have to have you back on the show when you get it, when uh, you learn a little bit more on it and you can teach us more on Japanese. That's great. I what love a, that. What kid. a great okay. cultural experience. All right. So thank you, buddy. Thanks, thanks so much, Miles. Bye, Miles. 
Ladies and gents, that was a Curiously George exclusive. Uh, we had a, uh, a guest just jump in and uh, teach us a little Japanese, which is pretty amazing. Eight years old, Miles Allen. That's pretty Allen. impressive, Thank Chris. You. Very impressive. Yeah, and, and it's always on his own. Like, uh, it started with Russian when he was about four years old. And, dude, I was terrified because this is when, like, a couple, yeah, this is when, like, they were like, oh, with all this Russian collusion with yeah. the government and stuff. And I have a security clearance and, like, so all of my YouTube videos are nothing but like how to speak Russian, how to speak Russian. And I'm like, if they ever like when it, when, it, when it's time for me to do my security clearance update, if they went through my internet history, if they saw like all this Russian stuff on my oh, yeah. YouTube, they would, they would ask me like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, why are you trying to learn Russian? You got this, this, this security clearance. This is weird. So I can't lie. I was a little nervous for a couple of years, man. Yeah. With, with all the Russian, with all the Russian stuff, is man. Miles <laughs> is Miles short for Milosevic? Yeah, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, so. that's great. Good for you. And then, um, with that, there was I did see a, it was actually about a five minute clip on uh, anime. So what what's the deal with anime? You, I didn't you, know you liked anime. You were, you were chatting with this guy who is like really into it, and I couldn't get a. I think I don't know. I, I feel like you were having right just now. some fun with him. Oh, oh, that's my that's my buddy Winston Hodges. We do another podcast called Host Battle Podcast. Yeah, but uh, I've always there's some there's some really dorky black comics in DC, and I always make fun of them. Yeah. Like the this the nerdy black guys that like that like anime. I'm always like, oh, you anime nerds, you never have clean sneakers. Your shirts are wrinkly. Your you know your your clothes are bad. And Winston was like, dude, you're always making fun of these anime black dudes. And here you are, your son going to be an anime black dude. Like, and, and I just liken it to like, you know how like you have those super homophobic guys yeah. that like don't want their sons to be gay, but then they end up having a gay, a gay son. <laughs> I think that's what I, that's ex exactly what I did. I made so much fun of anime guys. Now I have an anime son, but I love them. Yeah. I like anime stuff. It's, it's, it's just funny that I made fun of this group of people lightheartedly. And now my son is turning out to be an anime kind of, kind of guy. Well, your, okay, your, you. your son is, is brilliant yeah. and what a great personality. And just to be able to jump on and talk to some, well, Todd's not the stranger. I'm the stranger. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. So good on you. And then good on miles for that. I yeah. love that. Um, Wow. Thanks for your time today, man. I, uh, I really oh, appreciate dude. it. Yeah, Chris, been, this was great. It's been great getting yeah. to know you more. I thank Todd every day that uh, he introduces me to some really smart, intelligent, and interesting people. And uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, he's, he's one oh. of them right there. My pal. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully I wasn't too boring or made it Not too boring. No, no, Chris, Chris, we're having you back on. But There's a negative you. again. That's right. Someone's telling stories. Yeah. I'm going to start posting that to your wall. Um <laughs> And and Chris, we'd love to have you back on once you finish uh, the album. recording the yeah. album. It'd be oh great. yeah, and dude, then, I'm, um, I'm excited. And then when you're ready to launch, I mean, hey, we'd love to have you back on and do like a little launch party show, and yeah. we can get deeper on some other topics you want to talk about. Obviously, we'll talk about the album, but I think there's a lot more that we uncovered today that we can talk about, and I'd love to go deeper with you on some stuff. Yeah, I would we'll love to go along. deeper yeah. with you as well, George. George I would like to get way deeper. deeper, George. Yeah, and we'll have. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and we'll have yeah, we'll we'll have some fun along the way. Yeah. So um, thanks so much, Chris. We really appreciate it, ladies and gents. We've been talking to Chris Allen, comedian and writer extraordinaire. Yeah. You can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Facebook. YouTubes. And you can find him on. I'm getting to the it. YouTube. And you can find yeah. him on YouTube at He Got Answers. That is his show on YouTube. So please check it out. He's going to be taping yeah. his album April 8th to 11th in front of a live audience. Where are you doing that, Chris? At uh, Good Nights in Raleigh, North Carolina. Good Nights at Raleigh, North yeah. Carolina. And then we will have Chris back on to uh, talk about that and launch the album. It'd be great. Can I plug this one last thing? You um, sure can. And you can also must... tell Todd whatever else you want us to plug. We'll do it on uh, the socials when the show comes out. Okay. Well, I also, um, my sister and I, we started doing this uh, yeah. show called uh, Do You Believe? And it, it basically just explores people's uh, spiritual journey because I went through a whole spiritual thing and I had a lot of religious trauma that I didn't realize I had. Yeah. And just uh, we've been interviewing different people about their journeys through their um, dealing with their relationship with God or lack thereof. And yeah. it's it's been very eye opening and enlightening. And I've, we've really enjoyed doing it. So that's every Tuesday at eight live on Facebook, inst- not live on Facebook. YouTube and on and Twitter, so wow. it's a lot of fun. Tuesday at eight p.m. live yeah. on Facebook. Okay, yeah, it's a really Facebook, good show. Twitter. I really enjoy YouTube. that. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's and fun. Check it it's out. It's got tonight. my girlfriend Kelly on it. That's so. right. Yes, yeah. I appreciate that. All right, Mr. Allen, thank you very much. Good to see you, Chris. All right, thanks, fellas. Very yeah, good you to too, see man. you. We'll talk to you soon. All right, peace. Thanks. thanks. Bye. Yep. So that was a good one. That was a great one. I told you. I knew you. You know, you saw him you before. Always, yeah, yeah, but I know you saw him before, and I said that you should have him on the show. He's got a great story, and uh, you know, he he does have a great story. And you know what? I'm glad we touched on topics that we normally don't hear because part of learning and becoming a great leader is you have to see other sides. You have to hear other things, and I think Chris is a great example of that. He knew he needed discipline. He went into the army, got what Air he Force. needed out of it. Oh, Air Force. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Went into the the armed services. I meant to say yes. Uh, the Air Force. And, uh, you know, he picked up the discipline and the education he wanted to. He took what he could from it. And then um, from that, I just love that his family encouraged him. Like, just go to comedy. Because, you know, he could have gone in and gotten an engineering job. He could have done the whole IBM, Kodak, whatever. And uh, no, he followed what he really wanted to do. And you know what? He he mentioned, he goes, yeah, I don't have a lot. And you know what? I think he's got more than most people because he's doing what he was yeah, meant to do. Yeah, he's got a bunch. And the thing about the whole, you know, his dad worked hard hours, you know, when yeah. he was a kid growing up. And um, he saw that growing up. But it must have been hard for him. I, You know, I always wondered what it was like. I wanted to ask him, too. What your dad think when you said, when I get out of the Air Force, you know, I basically want to be a clown? What do you think of that? And, you know, I always wondered how his dad reacted to it. But he said, you know, his family was very supportive. Very supportive. Yeah. Very supportive. And such a rich, uh, and, you know, he grew, he grew up, around well he grew up in a rich cultural environment i mean whether it was like you said in the inner city you know joining the air force working with working in comedy starting a family i mean you know his family loves food um and i love that he just took that ability to make people laugh for either you know protection or to disarm people and and he turned it into a career and he's a lot bigger than he thinks he is so, I know. And he's I will. always been that that's way. That's the since thing. I've known him. I'm going to leave that with everybody today, yeah. and we're going. We'll talk more on other shows. But you got to stop telling these stories in your head. Yeah. Listen to the storytelling, but don't tell your own stories, especially the stuff that you can't prove, because that will hold you back over and over and over again. Yep. Great. Say goodbye, George. Goodbye, George. <laughs>